Hello, and welcome to God's Unfolding Promise, the official Grace Lutheran podcast for our confirmation class. In this week's episode, or this month's episode, I should say, we take a look at chapter 6 of Dan Erlander's Manna and Mercy. And chapter 6, I think, really presents us with a couple of interesting issues. Things that are relatively complex for us to kind of figure out. And it begins with the people, after having come into the land, having lived some time within that land, uh, without a king, they now are begin to demand a king. And part of the demand for that king comes about because they keep getting attacked by these enemies. And every time that happens, they would raise up what is called a judge. All of this is in the book of Judges, hence the name for the book of Judges. And the judge would then kind of take over, collect an army, repel the invaders, and then things would go back to normal. And the cycle kind of repeats itself throughout its, throughout its history. Well, the people get tired of that. And so some of them begin to demand a king. And on page 21 in Dan Erlander's book, Man and Mercy, uh, we have sort of that drawing of that debate going on. And I really want, I think, to sort of pose this question to all of you, uh, because this is one that is, I think, hard, um, in that there aren't very, the answers that we have are not always the best answers. And what I mean by that is, on the one hand, uh, there is some need, perhaps, for a king. And here I want to expand the, the discussion, because we no longer live in a monarchy, um, but kind of expand that discussion to sort of living in a, in a country with government at all. You know, so uh, to kind of take up the cause of the, the people who want a king, um, I'll read what Dan Erlander uh, puts in their little speech, speech bubble. Uh, we need a king to protect us from our enemies. We must live in the real world. You need not fear. The king will not oppress us because he will be one of us under God and the covenant. I plead with you for the sake of our national security and the safety of our children. We must have a king. Now, they do raise a couple of good points. Without that king, without sort of a government, um, especially a government that can support a kind of a continuous army, it opened up the people to attack from the outside. They were seen as being weak. And when a stronger nation wanted something, uh, that it was up, it was up for grabs because they didn't have any way to kind of defend themselves. However, they, and so they, their solution is essentially to let's have a king. He'll be one of us and they'll follow the, follow the covenant. It won't take us very long to learn that that does not work out very well. Um, Saul is a terrible king, even though he doesn't oppress the people. Uh, so then God decides to go with David, and David starts out very good. Uh, and in fact, the, the way that the story of David is told, most of the good stuff that David does is in his lead up to become king. 
Uh, in many ways, he is kind of leading a revolt against Saul, even though he has alibis, so it's not necessarily totally penned on him. But in that revolt, then he finally he can do no wrong. And then once he becomes king, that is when things start to kind of go south for David. So him becoming king is kind of the high point of this story. And then from there on, the experience of the king and the land goes downhill. And with Solomon, it goes downhill very fast because Solomon does, in fact, oppress the people. Uh, he uses them to build monuments and to collect treasures for himself. He has 700 wives. The, the way that his life is described is one filled with lavish and excess um, that can only come by creating a system that benefits him and his uh, descendants. And so it really doesn't work out very well. And that is exactly the kind of argument that the others on page 21 present. And what they say in response to this idea of that we need a king is, if we have a king, we will become like other nations. We'll have military conscription. Elites will grab the land and trust it to our families. We'll become like slaves. We'll have to do hard labor for the king and his big deals. The king will lay heavy tax burden on us. We will cry out to God in our oppression. And they are, in fact, right, at least over that long term. And so really, I think the, the question and the debate becomes, we do live in the real world. We know that not every nation has the best interest of every other people and nation in their hearts. And so how do we, as Christians, sort of navigate these two sides, uh, both of which have some legitimacy to them, and both of which have some major drawbacks to them? Uh, there is that concern about security. How, you know, how do we keep wars from happening? And, you know, part of the answer is we have a strong enough defense that deters others who would want to take some of the resources we have. At the same time, even in our democratic system, we understand that there have, that the elites have sort of grabbed probably more than their share. Um, in that we are not, in that everything is not quite, has not been done on an equitable scale. We had slavery in this country for a century. Slavery that, in many ways, we are still feeling the results of. A lot of our society, for example, is built on kind of slave labor, especially the wealth that is still permeates much of our society is a result of some of that slave labor. Because even after the Civil War, Reconstruction essentially brought many of those of African-American descent right back into kind of a, a different form of slavery, kind of more of an economic form of slavery. And many of us have benefited from that system. And we know that. And so there are always going to be sort of good points and bad points to government, to kingdoms, whether it's a democracy or a monarchy. And how do we as Christians negotiate that? One way is perhaps through voice. Uh, one way is perhaps 
through listening, to being open to the ways of God, ways that differ from the world, that kind of reorient our vision uh, towards different goals and what the world has. But in many cases, those don't always seem to be enough because we have been around for over 200 years now as a nation and yet many of the problems that plagued us from the very beginning of the of the Declaration of Independence still plague us centuries later. And what is our part as Christians within this conversation and within the nation itself? Hope you have a good week at school or whatever else it might be you might be doing and we'll see you on Sunday.